Glory to you, O Lord. Our gospel this morning is from John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, and can be found on page 1666. John records, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech. But the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you uh, pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Those of you who have had anything to do with real estate know that the value of any given piece of property depends on three things. Location, location, and location. There is a similar saying about understanding language, whether it is written or spoken. The true meaning depends on three things. Context, context, and context. So according to the three-year lectionary of which we use. The fourth Sunday of Easter today is Good Shepherd Sunday. And the psalm for the day is the 23rd Psalm. And the gospel for the day comes from the beginning of John 10, where Jesus states that he is the Good Shepherd. So in order to get the full and accurate meaning of John 10, 
we should begin by examining the context of the passage. First of all, there is a cultural context of caring for sheep in the first century Israel. For the most part, the shepherds, they grazed their sheep on marginal land that no one had claimed. And it was sort of like the open range grazing that we had, uh, that the ranchers uh, used in the pioneer days in, in these United States. Except instead of cattle, we are talking about sheep in Israel. So in order to provide protection at night, several of the shepherds would work together to clear an area of stones. And they would use these stones to build an enclosure, a, a tall wall, to keep out predators. And the enclosure, you've heard the uh, term sheepfold, the sheepfold, would have one opening for the sheep and the shepherds to get in and to get out. Just one opening. And at night, one of the shepherds would lie down in the opening. He would literally become the door to the enclosure. So no sheep could get out without stepping across the body of the shepherd. And if a wolf wanted to get at the sheep, it had to go through the shepherd. And when Jesus states that he is the door of the sheep, he is telling us that he is the good shepherd who guards the entrance to his flock with his body. And this really is an excellent word picture when we think that it is Jesus' body on the cross that saves and protects us from sin, death, and the power of the devil. So, when the morning came, each shepherd would call his flock. And when the sheep heard the call of their shepherd and their shepherd only, they came out. And they followed their shepherd by listening to his voice. And by working with them, with the sheep out in the pasture all day, and talking to them, the sheep came to know the voice of their shepherd. And they would not follow any other voice. Now, Martin Luther gives an excellent example of what it means to hear the good shepherd's voice in his explanation to the third commandment. In the small catechism with explanation, it says, we should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching and his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn from it. Those who hear the good shepherd's voice have a hunger that can 
only be satisfied by the Word of God. They do not see Bible class as a duty or an inconvenience. Instead, they see it as an opportunity to feed from green pastures and to drink from still waters. They see it as an opportunity to be with their God, to be with their good shepherd, and to receive his good gifts. Now, there is a second part of the context of this morning's gospel. That is when Jesus stated that he was the door of the sheep. He was speaking to a man who was once blind. He was speaking to some Pharisees and a gathering crowd. Now Jesus spoke these words shortly after he gave sight to a blind man on the Sabbath. In fact, the account of this restoration was the gospel just a few weeks ago. Maybe you remember a man was born blind, and Jesus spit into the dust and made some mud, and he applied the mud to the man's eyes, and then he told the man to wash his eyes in the pool of Siloam. And the man did exactly what Jesus said, and he received his sight. And you know, all would have been well and good if it weren't for the hypocrites among the Pharisees. You see, Jesus had performed the sign on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees, rather than rejoicing for and rejoicing with that the man could see, they were disturbed. They had their beaks tweaked because Jesus had worked on the Sabbath. And eventually, the Pharisees condemned Jesus, and as for the man who had received his sight, they threw him out of the synagogue. And by then, the man didn't care because his faith was in Jesus and not in, not in the Pharisees and not in the synagogue. So Jesus condemned the Pharisees by declaring that even though they claimed, the Pharisees claimed to have spiritual insight, they were spiritually blind. And because they insisted that they had spiritual insight, their guilt remained. And then he began teaching that what we heard in today's gospel. Therefore, when Jesus said this, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. He was speaking directly to the Pharisees who condemned him and who had thrown the man out of the synagogue. He was saying that they were thieves, and they were robbers. Now the Pharisees, they were experts at taking the word of God out of context. Even though they memorized large sections of Scripture, they often misused it. They replaced the true meaning of Scripture with their own opinion. 
At another time, Jesus grew extremely frustrated with the Pharisees, and he scolded them. This is in Matthew 15, 7 through 9. He wrote, you hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. We still have false teachers today. These are teachers who will quote scripture and then fill it with their opinions. Opinions that contradict the meaning of the scripture that they quoted. There are millions of false opinions out there. They come in all sizes and shapes and styles. And at first, this might seem overwhelming. How can we guard against false teachings if there are so many? I'm glad, I, glad you asked that. While it is never easy to guard against false teaching, it does become a little easier when you realize that all false teachings have one, one central teaching. In some way, in some shape or some form, they teach that you are at least partially responsible for providing your own salvation. There may be all kinds of rituals. There may be all kinds of teachings. There may be many approaches. But in the end, somewhere inside it all, you will hear a condition. What is that condition, Pastor? That's a condition that says when or if you do something, then you will receive something. It all depends on you. Now, it can sound ever so simple, these kind of things. Let me give you an example. It can sound like this. God wants to bless you. All you have to do is think happy thoughts, and then he will give you a life of victory. And at first, this sounds tempting. But when we realize I am the one who has to think happy thoughts. I am the one who has to do something. It sounds harmless and uplifting even. But as soon as any part of the process depends on you, it's a false teaching. It is a robber. It is a thief trying to get into the sheepfold. Any system that depends in any part on me will fail. It's just the way it works in the end. In the end, we all must stand before an almighty and holy God and give an account of ourselves. And listen closely. This isn't you. But those who depend on the opinions of the false prophets, those who depend on the opinions of the false prophets will not pass the final test. 
Now, the Bible teaches a different way. Thanks be to God. It exposes us to God's holy law in all of its severity. A lawyer asked Jesus in Matthew 22, 36 through 40, you'll recall this, he says, Teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? And Jesus answered, he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now, these are the commandments that we must keep in order to earn our own salvation. Did you hear me? These are the commandments that we must keep in order to earn our own salvation. And when the Bible says keep it, it, it means keep it. All of it. There are no timeouts. There are no gimmies. There are no do-overs. There are no mulligans. One mistake, just one mistake, and it's all over. Let's just say this. If the law were a game of golf, where are my golfers? They often, huh? If the law were golf, it would mean playing 18 holes and ending up with a score of 18. The Bible says this in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we know that God's law clearly teaches that anyone who believes he can contribute anything to salvation will fail. He will lose everything. That's the law. You ready for some gospel? Let's hear some gospel. Here is where the true religion shines. When you come, when I come, to the very painful but very truthful recognition that you cannot keep any code of conduct perfectly, the only thing false religions can do is tell you to try harder to make your faith stronger, to think happier thoughts, and so forth. But when you come to the truthful realization that you cannot actually do that, there's nothing left but despair. True religion offers a solution for that despair in the gospel. In today's gospel, Jesus tells you that he is the good shepherd who is the door to salvation. And when you go before God and confess, you remember doing this this morning? You all confessed, I did too. I do not love you as I should. The Bible tells you that God sent his only begotten son, Jesus, 
into the world to do that for you. When you go before God and confess, I do not love my neighbor as myself, the Bible tells you that God sent his only begotten son, Jesus, into the world to do that for you. And when you go before God and confess, I cannot bear the punishment that I deserve for my sin, the Bible tells you that God sent his only begotten son, Jesus, into the world to do that for you too. When Jesus hung on the cross for three hours and he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He endured the eternal punishment of hell for you. The truth of the entire Bible is that God does all of the work to give us salvation. We do nothing. God does it all. God the Holy Spirit even gives you the faith that receives this salvation. Jesus Christ is the Good Shepherd. It is He who loves God perfectly for you. It is He who loves His neighbor perfectly for you. It is He who died for you. It is He who rose from the dead for you. It is He who ascended for you. It is He. He is the one whose body is the door to salvation. It is He who calls you by name. He has done all that you need. And He has done it so that you can live with Him forever. In the name of Jesus, amen.